Is there any hope for America, or have we passed the point of no return? That is a crucial question that needs to be given serious consideration, and that is what we're going to do on today's program as we interview Jeff Kinley, the author of a new book about the fate of our nation. Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My guest today is Jeff Kinley from the state of Arkansas. Jeff spent two decades as a student pastor at several churches before he decided to step out in faith in the year 2000 and form a ministry called Main Thing Ministries. The purpose of his ministry is to equip and inspire Christians to become lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. He earned his bachelor's degree from the University of Arkansas and then proceeded to Dallas Theological Seminary where he earned a master in theology degree. He and his wife have three grown sons. Welcome to Christ in Prophecy, Jeff. Day, pleasure to be with you. Always good to have somebody from the state of Arkansas. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, folks, uh, Jeff is a very gifted communicator, both as a speaker and a writer. He's the author of more than 30 books, the latest of which is this one, The End of America, and notice the question mark at the end. And that is what we're going to talk with him about today. Is it really the end of America or not? But first, before we get to the current state of our nation, I want to take a look at the past. Jeff, I uh, thought that uh, the, one of the best chapters in this book was chapter 2 where you uh, talk about, uh, you, you title it, How Firm a Foundation. And you talk about uh, a very controversial thing as to whether or not this nation has ever been a quote unquote Christian nation. Uh, the left today says that's absolute nonsense, it never was, uh, Judeo-Christian values were not important in the forming of our nation. What is the truth about all this? Yeah. Well, despite what revisionist historians may want us to believe today, as you go back and examine our original historical documents, our founding documents of our country, you'll find that God is really in America's DNA. That a Judeo-Christian, <laughs> like yeah, really a Judeo-Christian ethic and a Judeo-Christian worldview is really encoded in America's founding. We see it even in the Declaration of Independence where God is mentioned some five different times there. And it tells us something about their worldview. Uh, now these men weren't, weren't ministers, they weren't pastors, and yet they were influenced by a Christian worldview. You go back and look at the writings of, say, Washington and, and John Jay, the first Supreme Court Justice, some of those. You see that God was everywhere in those writings. And even today, David, you go back to uh, Washington, D.C., and what do you see? You see either depicted or sandblasted into our national <laughs> monuments, Scripture or scenes depicting Scripture. Everywhere. Oh, yeah, Everywhere. Library of Congress, Lincoln Memorial, Jefferson Memorial, Supreme Court, it, National Archives. It's everywhere. So, I like to say that God is encoded in our DNA. And so, we were founded as a nation with a Christian background, Christian worldview. Well, I tell you, when I, I, I one of my undergraduate graduate majors was American history. And uh, you would have to read very selectively not to understand that Judeo-Christian principles were the foundation of this nation. And of course, that's what revisionist historians are doing, is they're editing the documents so that you don't ever hear any references to God or whatever. But uh, these men talked about God all the time. They talked about a nation that had to have spiritual principles in order to exist. In fact, the form of government they established depends upon the assumption that there's going to be a, a Judeo-Christian uh, foundation. One of the things, I used to teach political philosophy 
And one of the things that I pointed out to students all, always was that one of the fundamental concepts of our founding fathers was that man is basically evil. And therefore, we had to set up all kinds of roadblocks to the evil of man. That was the idea behind the separation of powers, was to set up these roadblocks so that the natural nature of man could not, uh, you know, uh, enforce itself upon our nation. Absolutely. And, and the, the founders also recognized God as the basic giver of all the rights and the freedoms and the liberties right. that we have. They didn't so, come from government. They came from God. Exactly. And it's government's responsibility yes. to protect those. That's exactly right. Okay. Well, uh, let's continue uh, with a look at chapter 3 of your book. Uh, in that chapter, which is titled, Lessons from an Ancient People, you talk about uh, some parallels between ancient Judah and America. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I think we all recognize that God established a covenant relationship with the Jewish people, with Israel, with Judah right. uh, during the, its founding. And we all see that. Uh, in fact, I unpack the Abrahamic covenant quite extensively throughout that chapter. But then the point comes where we have to ask the question, what is God's relationship with other nations? Yeah. I mean, does He have any sort of particular established relationship or agreement with Gentile nations? And does, in fact, God expect anything yes. of Gentile nations? I believe He does. As we trace throughout biblical history, we find that God judges nations based upon their moral conscience and their national character. And we see that during Noah's generation and the civilization that existed during that time where there was a sense of pandemic godlessness yes, and yes. unrestrained immorality and violence was all the way across the land and, and the thought of every man's heart was continually evil. And God, of course, judged them for that. Uh, we see it with the, uh, the city civilizations of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, we see it with God sparing Nineveh for their repentance. Mm -hmm. And of course, Jesus in Matthew 25, 32 talks about He will judge the nations one day. And so I believe that even Gentile nations have a responsibility before God to a sense of basic morality, which God, of course, is encoded within the human. Yeah, uh, God does judge nations. And as you said, there's very many principles that He uses. But one in particular that comes to mind is how they treat Israel. Yeah. And another is how much He's blessed them. To those who too much is given, much is expected. We've been blessed as no other nation except Judah itself, and much is expected of us as a result of that. But you look back on Judah and you see that God poured out His blessings on that nation like no other nation. I mean, it's very Shekinah glory dwelt there in the temple. And yet when Jeremiah and other prophets began to say, you've got to repent or God's going to destroy, people couldn't believe that. They, they, they usually responded by saying, the temple, the temple, the temple, which meant God's not going to touch us. He's not letting anybody destroy our temple. And I find that attitude in America today. When I talk to people about America has got to repent or it's going to be destroyed, I often find them responding by saying, well, you don't understand. I mean, God loves this nation. And, and it's like God sits on the throne draped in an American flag, and they cannot believe that God would ever allow this nation to be destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, we have a sense of American exceptionalism uh, today <laughs> where we think we're somehow exempt from those kinds of things. But if you think about it in the Old Testament, God judged His own people. Yes. He judged Judah. He judged Israel. So if, if judgment comes to God's own people, what will happen to other Gentile nations that don't have a specific covenant relationship with Him? So we do have a great responsibility. I think the fundamental problem there is that people don't realize how serious sin is to God. That's right. It's just, well, He'll wink at it. He'll kind of overlook it. Mm -hmm. But our nation is an outright rebellion against God. And I want to talk about that in detail because that's really what your book is all right. about. We've looked at the past now. Let's bring it up to the present and talk about the condition of our nation today.
Welcome back to my interview of Jeff Kinley, the prolific author of a new book entitled The End of America, with a question mark at the end of that. Jeff, uh, you begin the book with a very powerful statement that reads as follows, America is in trouble, big trouble. As a nation we are dancing on a perilous precipice, teetering on the verge of destruction. America is losing her soul, and it's only a matter of time before the bottom drops out and we find ourselves in free fall from which there may be no recovery. And then a few pages later you add these words. You say, I believe there is evidence to suggest that our current condition shows symptom of a nation on the brink of chaos and collapse. America is not merely slipping on a downward path. We're landsliding toward destruction and fast. We're in free fall without a parachute. Now those are pretty dire words. Uh, explain them to us. Yeah. Well, I think it's much like tectonic plates under the surface creating this huge earthquake and fissures in our country, but it's happening more on a spiritual and moral uh, platform. Uh, we're declining spiritually, David. Uh, what's happening in our country right now spiritually is alarming. Uh, some 25% of unchurched adults today are now identifying as agnostic or either atheist. 49% uh, of Americans now go to church as compared uh, to some 70% uh, 30 years ago. And so we're becoming less and less of a religiously affiliated country. And what that means is, is that we're thinking less about God. A generation is coming up now that's not biblically illiterate. Biblically literate. They don't know the Bible. Uh, they don't know the stories of the Bible. So we're becoming much like Europe has become. We're becoming God-less. And so now God has become uh, the person we want to kick out of our schools. We want to kick Him out of our government. He's not even allowed to be the Creator anymore. Uh, in our society. And so for that reason and many, many others I list in the book that we're declining spiritually as a country, less and less people are thinking about God. And uh, Jeff, not only is that happening, but it's happening very rapidly. I mean, I, 20 years ago if somebody had told me that uh, we would soon see churches ordaining homosexuals and performing same-sex marriages, I would have told them they were crazy. And yet here it is. It is happening so quickly. And I saw some statistics recently that certainly undermine, uh, underline what you just said. And that is the latest polls of the Barna Association show, and this was based on interviews with like 10,000 Americans, not just a small group. It said only 9% of Americans have a biblical worldview, and only 17% of those who claim to be Christian have a biblical worldview. And that's based on six questions. And one of those questions was, did Jesus ever sin? And it's amazing how many evangelicals said yes. Absolutely. Yeah, a recent survey also by Barna said that uh, most people believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. <laughs> so, I mean, you have a lot of that kind of thing going on. And you're exactly right. With our declining spirituality is a decaying morality as well. And we see that through simply the moral relativism that is pervasive in our culture today, where personal opinion and emotion now trumps absolute truth. And that's, that's nationwide. And so anybody with a computer now gets on a, online and voices an opinion, and that becomes on par with what God has said oh, yes. for thousands of years. So we see that with that. We see it also with homosexuality, with homosexual marriage, with the rise of transgenderism, the legalization of homosexual marriage, David. And you know what's interesting too, and, and I talked about this years ago, was that when you open this door to allowing homosexuals to be married, 
then you open a door for others to want to get in on this deal as well. So mm -hmm. now the National uh, Association for Man-Boy Love oh, yeah. Relationships, have they, they now want homosexual relationships between men and boys to be decriminalized so that they can have that same right. Well, you know, if the court's going to rule that a man can marry a man and a woman can marry a woman, then how can the court say that a person can't marry ten women? Right. Or a, man, a, a woman marry five wife, uh, husbands? I mean, there's no way they can say that now. Uh, polygamy can, I don't see anybody enforcing it anymore because I think they realize that it won't stand up. Yeah, the latest thing is what's called thruples or a, a, a team of three coming together for a marriage. And, and it does. It just unleashes the well, dam England, of sin. Well, in England, they've got people marrying their dogs. Right, exactly. Well, if you can think that you're an opposite, the opposite sex, something that you're biologically not, then certainly you can imagine yourself to be something else. And, and that's actually happening as well. Uh, but we see that in, in homosexuality. We see that with the family. Uh, now 41% of children in America are born outside a husband-wife relationship. More and more couples are, are living together. Uh, but I think, Dave, we see it also just uh, with the, the heinous sin of abortion as well. I, I wanted to mention that because one of your most powerful chapters in your book is called uh, The National Holocaust, America's Holocaust. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, since 1973 uh, to 2011, uh, we murdered 53 million babies in their mother's wombs. That's just in America. 56 million are murdered uh, worldwide every year. Uh, in 2015, the hashtag Shout Your Abortion went viral. Uh, we're now holding rallies in America to celebrate the slaughter of our own children. I have to ask myself, what kind of civilization not only practices this, but funds it and celebrates it and is proud of it? And I don't think God can hold back judgment on a civilization that does Well, he certainly like that. speaks out strongly against it in his word. In fact, one of the things that uh, he, uh, he judged Judah for was the fact that they were actually offering their babies to their false gods, burning them on altars. Right. Yeah, they were offering to the god Molech. Yeah. And uh, they would have uh, drummers surrounding the, uh, the throne of Molech so that the cries of the babies could not be heard. Uh, today, I think we're seeing the same thing. We, we sanitized it. We put a lab coat on the high priest of, of this pagan uh, sacrifice, but we've given a license to kill to doctors. And women now are treated as goddesses under the right to uh, have control over their own body. Yeah, I have... I, I... Some commentator I was listening to recently made the point that we keep hearing people talk about pro-choice, I'm pro-choice, but they never finish the sentence. In fact, it was Robert Jeffers. He said they never finish the sentence. Pro-choice what? Pro-choice to murder my baby. Right. Yeah. They believe in <laughs> rights for women, just not rights for unborn women. <laughs> well, I think that when it's all over and done with, the, the Supreme Court decision on abortion is probably going to be looked upon as horrendous as the Supreme Court decision on slavery in the Dred Scott case when they declared that slaves were not human beings. Well, it's a barbaric practice of which America needs to be ashamed. Well, uh, absolutely. And to think that we're going to be killing that many babies each day and God's going to do nothing about it? Come on. Uh, we, we've got a lot of problems in this nation. The, uh, the celebration of sexual perversion, uh, the abortion, uh, the uh, treatment of Israel, Oh, the terrible mistreatment of Israel. All of these things are just, it's like we are begging for God to pour out His, uh, uh, pour out His wrath upon us. Absolutely. I remember what Ruth uh, Graham said one time. She said, if, if God doesn't, uh, <laughs> what would she say? If God doesn't, she's going to have to 
if he doesn't judge, if he doesn't San judge Francisco. Yeah, he's going to have to issue an apology to uh, Sodom, and, Sodom Gomorrah. and Gomorrah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. But uh, God is patient. That's right. It's, it's amazing. But he, and he's long suffering. Yes. But sooner or later, he's going to deal with this. That's right. Welcome back to our interview with Jeff Kinley, the prolific author of a new book titled The End of America with a question mark after that. Well, we have considered the very blessed past history of our nation. We've taken a look at how we have jettisoned the Judeo-Christian values that made us great, resulting in a nation that now exists in virulent rebellion against God. Now, we're going to take a look at that question mark in the title of Jeff's book, What is the Likely Fate of Our Nation? But before we do so, I want to read something from the Bible. And this is taken from the book of Nahum, beginning with verse 1, and it reads as follows, A jealous and avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on His adversaries, and He reserves wrath for His enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. Jeff, I have found a lot of people don't believe in the wrath of God. I've found that they say that's Old Testament God, it's not the New Testament God. In fact, one time I was asked to be on a radio show in uh, Oklahoma City. Uh, the producer told me it was the highest rated radio show in all of Oklahoma. He said, and I should have picked up on this, he said, now the host is a very strong Christian, but nobody knows it. And I thought, hmm, this is very interesting. And so he said, it's a secular program, but he still he, he likes your writings and he wants to interview us. Okay. So he starts off and he says, well, tell us about your ministry. And I said, well, I'd rather talk about the Bible. He said, well, what, what's, your, what's your theme? I said, my theme is that Jesus is coming soon, flee from the wrath that is to come. He said, what do you mean by wrath? I said, well, God is going to pour out His wrath upon this nation, upon this world, in what's called the Great Tribulation. And he said, wrath? The God I believe in doesn't exercise wrath. That's the Old Testament God. He said, your God is, is just horrible. And he hung up on me. And that was the end of Wow. And I found a lot of Christians just can't handle the idea that God actually pours out wrath. Yeah. Has He retired the God of wrath? <laughs> no, not at all. In fact, we should talk about God's wrath for several reasons. One, it's a part of His character. You talk about it in your book. Absolutely. It's just as much as, as grace, as love, as His mercy. Wrath is also a part of Tell God's wrath. Tell us more about that. Yeah, and, and also the Bible speaks of God's wrath. There are many manifestations of God's wrath as you see throughout uh, Scripture. Obviously, there's eternal wrath. Uh, there's catastrophic wrath like He did on Sodom and Gomorrah. There's uh, apocalyptic wrath we see in the book of Revelation. And there's also what I call abandonment wrath uh, that we read about in Romans 11. I think that one of the, excuse me, Romans 1. And one of the greatest questions I think every American Christian should ask his or herself is, what does God say about America in Bible prophecy? Yeah. You know, we think we're, we're a pretty special nation. We're the right. world's greatest superpower and we've done many great things. But is America mentioned in Bible prophecy? That's a very, very big question. So, as I survey the Scripture, I survey some of the top views there. Uh, my personal well, view... Well, answer that question for us. Yeah, well, I think personally uh, some of the people see uh, America in Revelation 18 
as uh, being Babylon. Some see us as the young lions of Tarshish. Some see us as the wings of the great eagle. I don't specifically see America mentioned, uh, but I don't see many other nations mentioned in, in, in times as well. So we have to ask ourselves the question, if America is not on prophecy's radar in the end times, what happens to her? Now, David, I want to be quick to say that I believe America already has had an impact on the end times in these two ways. Number one, we were a part of helping Israel become a nation. Amen. And we have supported Israel since then. In fact, 11 minutes after Israel ratified uh, becoming a nation, President Truman issued a statement, proclamation, uh, issuing that saying that he supported that. But the second way that we have had an impact in the end times is that America really has pioneered the world expansion of the gospel. Amen. Uh, through not only sending missionaries and preachers and all over the world, but also through media and television yeah. programs Jesus like this film. one. Exactly, yeah, to billions of people, in yes. fact, across the world. So we've already had an impact. But I think there are two ways to answer the question, why do we not see America in the end times of Bible prophecy? I think there are human explanations and a divine explanation. The human explanation could be that we could collapse financially sometime before that. Some 49% of American households are now dependent on some form of government assistance. So there's an economic implosion that could be looming, but also the risk of nuclear attack from either Russia or Iran, uh, potentially, or North Korea. I mean, we're taking North Korea very seriously right now. Our bombers are on 24-hour alert in case something were to happen. Uh, but also there's a threat of a terrorist attack or a series of coordinated terrorist attacks. I mean, right now there are over 900 FBI investigations investigating jihadist-related activity on our American soil in every 50 of our states. Right. And so there are human reasons, but also think there are divine reasons. And I always go back to Romans 1 because I think Paul really outlines for us what happens when a nation dies, what happens when a civilization dies. And as you know, David, it begins with suppressing the truth of God, the revealed truth of God that is revealed in heaven, uh, in the heavens, and through our own conscience. On that point, I can remember, not personally, but reading about back in the 20s, when the Scopes trial took place. And the evolutionist argument was, all we want is equal time right. to present our viewpoint right. about the creation. Today, it's all the time. We suppress right. the truth in ungodliness by refusing even to allow an alternative viewpoint to be put forward. So that we're no longer involved in education on that point, we're involved in propaganda on that point. Right. Absolutely. Well, continue. What well, happens then? Well, they have to suppress it because it's naturally known within them. God says, I put it within you and it's revealed in the heavens. So what happens from that, there are consequences to suppressing the truth about God. And God tells us on in these verses that there becomes a darkness that comes over the human yes. spirit. Yes. And in our, our foolish hearts, it says, are darkened. Now, when a person is blind or in darkness, they have to feel their way around. They don't have confidence. So they have to speculate on what truth is, what reality is, what humanity is, what sexuality is, what the Creator is like. And so we begin to speculate on those things in our darkened mind, and yet at the same time, we declare ourselves to be wise. Oh, yes. And God says, no, you're fools. fools. In That's fact, right. that Greek word is a Greek word, yeah. moros, which we get our word moron from. God <laughs> I says, didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it's basically God says, hey, you're a moron if you reject the, the, you know, the truth about God that's right. revealed. But that leads to much more serious consequences in substituting the Creator uh, with creation and beginning to worship things other than the true God. Yes. And then I think that's at that point is when God releases the parking brake. And it tells us in verse 24 that God gave them over 
uh, to degrading passions. Yes. And that's where we begin to explore everything that is within the human so heart. What happens is if a nation moves into rebellion and refuses to repent, there comes a point where God steps back, lowers the hedge of protection, and allows evil to multiply. Absolutely. And that phrase, God gave them over, is mentioned three times in this passage. It's mm-hmm. the Greek word paradidomai, which means to be handed over or to be arrested by something. So basically God says, I'm going to allow you to be handcuffed and to be enslaved to your own passions. And it begins with a sexual revolution. Which occurred in this country in the 60s. Absolutely. It began there. Then it progresses uh, in verse 26 to a homosexual revolution. A homosexual plague in fact. Exactly. And God says that they'll do things that are unnatural. Things that don't come natural to the human spirit that only come when your foolish heart is darkened and you suppress Which the truth. Which has occurred in this nation since the 1980s. Absolutely. And we've seen it really, as you said, an acceleration yes. in previous in the years leading up to right now. Well, there's a third step. What is that? Well, the third step is where God just basically lets go completely. And there's an all-out sinful revolution. I think it's interesting that it says that that third step, that if they continue to rebel, God will deliver them to a depraved mind. Right. And that's exactly where we are today. Exactly. We are a nation with a depraved mind. I mean, the city of New York has recently declared that there's, what, 52 different genders? And you have to recognize those if you're a city official. And if you don't, you will be fine. Right. Schools saying that you've got to no longer use him and her, but you've got to use special uh, pronouns. And if you don't, you get fired. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, in fact, that word depraved means to, to fail the test. <laughs> and it's where you, it was used in metallurgy to test metals to yeah. see if they were pure. But what comes from that is that is that when we are given over to a depraved mind, David, it says that they're filled with all unrighteousness, murder, strife, deceit, malice, slanderers, haters of God, intolerant, uh, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. I mean, we're inventing new ways to do evil. But, but really, the the final verse just really puts the, the lid on it. It says, And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those yes. who practice them. I remember when the Supreme Court decision was handed down for same-sex marriage, when the White House was lit up like a gay flag and, and President Can Obama... Can you imagine how, how God felt about that? Well, to see our the leader of the free world dancing in the Oval Office yes. over this decision was just deplorable. And the White House lit up in the colors right. that they've stolen from God Himself because exactly. these are the colors of the rainbow yeah. uh, attesting to His faithfulness and they take them and pervert them exactly. into the symbol of the sexual perversion movement. Jeff, I want to thank you for being our special guest on our program today. And we didn't get to one of the topics I wanted to talk about was, is there any hope? But you talk about that in your book. Yes. And so I want to encourage people to get a copy of your book and get the answer to that question. Tell Absolutely. them how they can do that. Absolutely. Go to jeffkinley.com. You can get all the information you need about my books, about my ministry. You can order books on that site or, or even drop me a note. I'd be happy to respond to you. Great. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope the Lord willing that you'll be back with us next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. I want to personally urge you to get a copy of my newest book titled God's Prophetic Voices to America. This is my 16th book, and I consider it to be the most important one I have ever written. It presents summaries of the prophetic messages of 13 people whom God has anointed to point out the sins of our nation and call us to repentance. Those people include four from the past, 
and nine who are currently speaking out, warning our nation that we are headed for destruction if we do not repent. The voices of the past include Peter Marshall, David Wilkerson, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and Francis Schaeffer. And the current voices include Don Wildman, Jan Markell, Albert Moeller, and Jonathan Kahn, among five others. This is a book with a very urgent and vital message that both you and your pastor need to read. We can provide it to you for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. And since we are very anxious to get the book into the hands of pastors, we will ship you two copies of it for a gift of $30 or more, including shipping. If you desire the special offer of two copies, ask for offer number 780. You can place your order by calling the number on the screen Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, or you can place your order through our website at lambline.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.